Most of the world is now in some form of lockdown, but in one country, not much has changed. I'll see kids going to school, people will be eating at restaurants, and the sun's shining, so a lot of people will be sitting outside in cafes. Has Sweden got it right? Or, as their death toll reaches a thousand, are they needlessly risking lives? The question is, will this policy fail? Will many, many more people die and people lose their trust in the government? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the curious case of Sweden. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So on Friday night, a couple of weeks ago, I was on my way to the uh, state alcohol shop called Sustain Bolagets, which is where they, uh, where Swedes sell all their booze. Louise Callahan is the Sunday Times Middle East correspondent, but she's currently back in her native Sweden. And I, I spoke to these two women who were sitting right by the river in the middle of Halmstad uh, in a bar uh, on the terrace outside and they were drinking champagne. Two kind of very well-dressed women in their, in their 40s. I had a chat with them and I was asking, um, well, you know, do you think the government made the right choice? And uh, they were laughing and saying, oh, God, I bet you think we're ridiculous. You know, you in England, you're all locked inside, but we're here sitting drinking champagne. And I said, OK, well, why are you doing that? And they said, well, we trust what the government's doing. We're taking precautions. And, you know, for them, taking precautions was that they were sitting outside. They were sitting quite far away from each other. They were being served at their table by a bartender. And they were saying, well... You know, after this, we're going to go head to the cinema. One of the women was saying they were going out for supper with their family the next day. And I asked them, do you think that this model that we have in Sweden is replicable? And they were saying, oh, God, no, absolutely not. You know, we listen to what the government tells us. We trust and obey what the government says. Other countries, that might not work. So they were giving us an example of France. Yeah, I spoke to a scientist a while ago who was quoting de Gaulle, who said that it's impossible to govern a country which has 246 different types of cheese. Louise is normally based in Turkey, covering the whole of the Middle East. A very long time ago, on February the 20th, I went to Iran to work on the Iranian elections. Then I got stuck in Iran because COVID-19 hit and a lot of the flights were cancelled. So when I was leaving the country, finally, after a couple of weeks, then I decided to go to Sweden. 
So my mum's Swedish, I was born in Sweden, and my parents live here at the moment. And then so I thought that this would be a good place to stay. Louise went from lockdown in Tehran to a place that couldn't be more different. Sweden is almost unique in its handling of coronavirus. Whilst other governments are forcing citizens to stay at home, Sweden has a more relaxed approach. So I went from being in Iran, where people were absolutely terrified of getting the virus, and this huge, bustling city, Tehran, was almost shut down, to Sweden, where I had to self-isolate in this cabin by the sea. So it's eight o'clock on day six of isolation, and I've just had a knock on the door. Who could it be? Through the window, I can see my parents standing outside, lit up nicely with a nice torch. They are keeping their distance because they are dropping off food for me. Hello. Hi. Hello. Thank you very much. So they are keeping quite far away. Now we're doing a little handover. Got some. Do you have what have we got? Okay. Okay. Tack så <laughs> Mum's thrown in some frozen peas through the door. Thank you very much. And it was incredibly quiet, of course. My parents were delivering food to me every day. And the only people I'd occasionally see was people who worked at the local church who'd, you know, walk by at quite a distance from my cabin. But then after two weeks in isolation in Sweden, then I got out and I started, you know, going around, going to the shops and talking to people. And I was really surprised. A lot of people just didn't seem worried at all. Is there a thing about personal space? Is is it completely different in Sweden compared to across the world now where lockdowns are happening? Generally speaking, in Sweden, people don't kiss and hug as much as, say, they do in Turkey, where I live, for example. In Turkey, once people meet, meet each other, they'll usually you know, kiss on each other's cheeks, hold hands, that kind of thing. But in Sweden, maybe we have a bit more of a sense of personal space. I mean, some people do hug each other, but... But now it's very, um, people have really taken to their elbows and feet touching. I think maybe it was something that just really suited us in the first place. I don't think Swedes were ever that happy with hugging. My mum was saying she was, she was quite pleased that we've stopped doing that now. There was talk of herd immunity here in the UK, but it was rapidly abandoned when it became clear that the NHS would have been overwhelmed and it would have led to far more people dying. But Sweden is quite different. With Sweden, there was a couple of things that made the idea of herd immunity a little bit more palatable. There was a massive immediate increase when the virus started seriously spreading in the number of ICU beds. So the number of ICU beds was increased by 80%. And we were able to do that because we have a huge number of doctors per capita compared to many other countries. So it's feasible that people would be able to get proper care. I I think the official strategy of the Swedish government is not striving towards herd immunity they don't say it in so many words but what they have said is that there's only two ways of stopping it stopping this pandemic one is a vaccine one is herd immunity we don't have a vaccine so the inevitable result of the spread (laughs) through the the population is herd immunity yeah wow is that still popular with the population when they see countries like britain absolutely turning their back on on the idea or you know president trump saying that would kill millions of people Right. I mean, in the Swedish um, media, um, there's a lot of vocal opposition to what the government has done. So the public health ministry officials give a press briefing every day where they get very difficult questions um, and they're really pushed on their policy. But at the same time, if you look at almost all polls done uh, of Swedish people, you'll see that they trust the government's approach. The question is, will that trust continue? 
after this? Will will this policy fail? Will many, many more people die and people lose their trust in the government? We don't know. But for the moment, they seem to be supporting the government's policy. And the, I, I mean, the, the idea of herd immunity is fascinating as well, but we just don't know fundamentally how far the virus has spread in Sweden at the moment. So I spoke to a mathematician last week who was working with the government, and he predicted that by mid-May, 60% of the Swedish population could have been infected. So by mid-May, herd immunity could have been reached. And he said that during April, 50% of the population might be infected. So obviously relying on models is kind of a witchcraft in some ways we don't know, but estimates are showing that a lot of scientists believe that we could have herd immunity just within the next few weeks. Wow. And and that presumably then stops people dying in the long run. The idea behind the Swedish policy is to an extent that it's better to have it spread through the population as slowly as possible now while protecting the vulnerable rather than do a lockdown and then have there be a massive resurgence in infections that are potentially more deadly in autumn when restrictions are lifted again. So tell me, what's it like if you walk out now, if you were to walk into the centre of town, what do you see? So when I go into central Halmstad now, which is, you know, it's not a huge town, it's not like Stockholm. And if I go there now, I'll see people going to the shops, I'll see kids going to school, people will be eating at restaurants, especially in Sweden now it's spring and the sun's shining so people want to sit outside. So a lot of people will be sitting outside in cafes. There are some restrictions in force, you know, it's not a complete free-for-all. Gatherings of over 50 people have been banned and you can't buy drinks at a bar. There's table service, you have to sit down and order your drinks and the tables tend to be quite far apart. But you absolutely will see people, you know, doing their shopping at H&M or they'll be sitting down to, you know, drink a glass of wine on a Friday evening. That sounds amazing right now. It's funny how quickly things have changed and how alien all of that already sounds. How did Sweden end up being such an outlier, doing things so differently to the rest of Europe and much of the world? In some ways, what's happening is not that different to how it is in other places. I think that's a point that needs to be made. You know, it is not a complete free-for-all here. There are some restrictions. Universities are closed. A lot of people aren't going to work. My sister, she works in HR in Stockholm, and she's going into the office, but she's on a rotor with other people, so they don't go in every day. Having made that clear, yes, of course, it's enormously different to, uh, say, the UK. And of course, it's strange talking to friends in London who are under lockdown. You know, they're saying, oh, I've barely left the house for weeks. But, you know, if I wanted to, I could go on a mad night out on the tiles here. Not that I'm planning on it. But, uh, you know, that would be totally possible. And how has that happened? The way that this happened is because it's the public health agency and the scientists there who decide how to handle pandemics like this. Um, Now, if the government disagrees with what they've done, then they can try and change the policy. So the public health agency basically makes recommendations. But so far, the government has followed those. Of course, we're suffering. Everybody in the world is suffering right now. But uh, it's working. And the Swedish healthcare is delivering results just as good as they ever done. The face of this whole policy in Sweden is the state epidemiologist. His name's Anders Tegnell. The tradition in Sweden when it comes to healthcare and, and public health has very much to work with voluntary measures. 
to have a dialogue with our population, to give good advice and, and tell people what we're trying to achieve, not telling them exactly what you should do in every, every situation. And he's been very clear that the plan is to let the infections spread slowly as possible through the population while protecting the vulnerable. So what the state epidemiologist has told me is that since we don't have a vaccine, the virus is going to continue to spread. And the key is to just suppress that level to a point where the health system can handle it, but also you know, hope that we build up some immunity as a population so that the infection rates tail off and that the most vulnerable are protected. Tell me about him, because he seems to have become a real celebrity across Sweden at the moment. He's become this really odd celebrity. You know, there's is it, even... Is it true he's people on TV have T-shirts? Yeah, and there's, I mean, not only T-shirts. T-shirts would be the, the least of it. There's posters up around Gothenburg praising him. There was a men's magazine that did a slightly tongue-in-cheek story about how to dress like him. He dresses really scruffily. He always kind of has his collar half up and looks like he's just rolled out of bed. But he has been the public face of the response to this virus. What he's basically said is that it's too early to know at the moment whether we've done it right, whether the Swedish way was the best way. And what's he like? I mean, he sort of seems to be... One scientific voice and the whole nation is following it. Is he particularly charismatic? Well, one interesting thing about Tegnell is that he's really easily reachable. The Swedish media talks to him every day. I talk to him every so often. And he's very direct at uh, kind of rejecting criticism that he doesn't agree with. And it's a very kind of Swedish attitude. You know, he just, he's very direct. There's no messing about with him. He just says, no, that's wrong. <laughs> Here's why I think so. And so has he become a celebrity because everybody is so pleased with the approach that Sweden has taken? Well, there's been a huge amount of criticism of um, Sweden's policy, of course. You know, people have particularly criticised the large number of deaths that have happened in residential homes for the elderly. And that's something that the government have apologised for. But, I mean, that's just remarkable. The infections got into some of these residential homes and, and they killed really large numbers of people. It's absolutely terrible. So there's been a lot of criticism of that. Um, and there's also been criticism generally by various scientists that the government has taken the wrong approach and that they should be more proactive rather than reactive. Um, Over the weekend, there was a bust up in between uh, Anders Tegnell, the state epidemiologist, and uh, a number of researchers and scientists who had written in to one of the main papers in Sweden, they'd written an open letter really criticising the government's policies uh, and saying, among other things, that they'd ignored asymptomatic infections. The Swedish government advised us to stay home if you feel sick, but these scientists were saying, well, hang on, there's been a lot of transmissions by people who didn't have any symptoms. So Tegnell came back really quickly and said, actually, the statistics that these scientists' arguments were based on are wrong and they're irrelevant for this particular discussion. I think he's also been quite clear on that. The strategy that Sweden's gone with would not have worked for all other countries. You know, this is a specific strategy that has been put in place for Sweden. Because of the way that our society works and the way that the culture is here, this is what they believe to be the best solution for Sweden. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. 
Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I love this idea also that there's something inherent in, in the Swedish people which makes them different to the rest of the world. I mean, are they just sort of better behaved? Are they more trusting of the government? I, I think they'd love to think so. Well, it's, it's, I think there's a idea in Swedish called folkvet, which means the kind of, I don't, what do you call it? Like the wisdom of the people, the knowledge of the people. And it's just this idea that we're quite sensible. Now, lots of our Nordic neighbours find Swedish people really annoying because of this sense of kind of exceptionalism <laughs> that they have. And, you know, is that true or is this just some idea that we've kidded ourselves into believing? I don't know. I, d- I do think that in general, and polls show this as well, Swedish people trust the government and they trust that they're doing the right thing. Definitely, in my experience, much more so than in the UK. Is there a danger, though, that if this does turn out badly, and we know we have seen the death count mounting, that that'll just shake the, the Swedish national character and people will be less trusting of, of the government or of policy in the future? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, so it's, Swedish people have now shown enormous trust in the government. Will that trust remain after the end of this pandemic? We just don't know. And are, are people looking at the examples of Norway and, and Denmark now, of, of Sweden's neighbours? Because Sweden's figures seem to be 10 times what Norway's are. And is that something that's being talked about? Yeah, absolutely. That's something which is discussed constantly. But there's a, a few things to bear in mind there. So the population of Sweden uh, is just over 10 million. The population of Denmark and Norway is, is about half of that, about 5 million each. So it's an incredibly different situation. It's a different scenario. The other thing is that there's a fear now that when Denmark and Norway reopen, because they have very little resistance in the population, they'll see a rising number of cases. So they're by no means coming out the other side. And that's what Sweden has really feared. So what the Swedish Public Health Agency is arguing is that it's better to let the disease spread very slowly now and build immunity in the population rather than block it all off and have a resurgence later on. But of course, the question that comes in with that is, will you get immunity from it? How long will that immunity last? And could you then 
get a different type of corona in the future? So all of these questions haven't been answered, but it seems reasonable to think, going on how viruses almost always act, that you'd get some type of immunity. That's what the scientists I've been speaking to have said. Is there something about spring in the Swedish national character which would have made it really hard to impose a proper strict lockdown now anyway? When you have such long winters, would that have had problems of its own? Yeah, you know us too well. Um, in Sweden, <laughs> it's, it's, as soon as there's a tiny bit of sunlight, you will see everyone, even if it's still minus 10, they'll be sitting outside cafes and bars, they'll be drinking their beer, you know, wearing a big fur over them, but they'll be, you know, taking in that sun. And yeah, I mean, it's always going to be difficult to keep uh, Swedish people inside when we haven't seen the light for so long. But at the same time, I'm living in the countryside at the moment, and every time I go outside, I see old people, you know, 80, 90 years old, walking along with their ski poles, you know, marching really fast. And people are still going outside, they're going for walks. And, and the general standard of the population, the, the health standard's very high. People are quite fit. My grandma, she's 86, she's been going on her walk every day. She's really sad to be missing out on her weekly aqua aerobics, but she is having a really good time going on a walk. And all the elderly people around her are as well. And I think that's obviously incredibly helpful for for their mental health and in the countryside in Sweden obviously there's lots of open space people can go and walk around but it must be incredibly difficult for people who live in inner city areas where that's not so possible. Herd immunity was abandoned here because it was so unpopular politically. Is it different in Sweden because it's not a political decision? The policy there seems to be set by scientists. In Sweden, there's a really big separation, and in some ways a legal separation, in between the public health agency and the government. So the public health agency sets recommendations, and if the government wants to contest them, then there's a, a legal procedure by which they can do that, especially when it comes to the detail of the, of the policies. It's very difficult for them to contest it. But, you know, the prime minister has said that Sweden has made mistakes, and so has the public health agency. But generally, for now, the government and the public health agency are working together to, to stick with this line, stick with these voluntary restrictions that they've put in place. And it's interesting as well, because there's been a few studies done on how afraid people are of getting coronavirus. And the last one I saw, Swedes were far and away the least afraid of getting it. So even though the infections are pretty widespread compared to our Nordic neighbours, people still seem to trust the government. Now, the question is, was that trust misplaced? In the future, are Swedes going to be saying, we blindly trusted and things went wrong? We just don't know at this stage. Are people getting worried about what might be coming over the next few weeks before Sweden reaches what it thinks will be herd immunity? Of course, there's fears about what's going to happen next. But, you know, in my very unscientific polling of speaking to people that I know, people don't seem anywhere near as worried as my friends in the UK. And that may just be because of where I live. I, you know, I'm, I'm in this small town rather than in the middle of Stockholm. But there is still a lot of faith in what the government and the public health ministry are doing. Now, whether that's misplaced, we're going to see that in the future. But for now, I don't think there's a kind of mass revolt against the Swedish model. I mean, the Prime Minister's words seem to imply that it's almost, it's almost too late. It's almost too late to change course now. Is that slightly well, worrying? Well, the Prime Minister has been very clear that he wants to have the option to make these restrictions much harsher. So uh, there was a law put through Parliament this month 
which will enable government to shut down vital services if needed. So trains and things like that. But for the moment, they are not thinking of using them. Of course, it's concerning. And of course, we don't know what it's going to look like at the end of this. But for the moment, the Swedes are sticking to their guns. Has this changed Sweden's idea of itself, of its national character, of of how it compares to the rest of the world? No, I think it's confirmed all the things that uh, we've rightly or wrongly thought about our national character. And I think that as international criticism of Sweden rises and you know criticism as well by its own scientists that has slightly reinforced a lot of people's beliefs that we were doing the right thing now they talk about Sweden but Sweden is suffering very gravely you know that right Sweden did that the herd they call it the herd uh, Sweden suffering very very badly uh, it's a way of doing it but uh, the, it, it, you know, everybody has been watching everybody else. And so far, almost every country has done it the way we've done it. We've chosen to do it. If we didn't do it that way, we would have lost hundreds of thousands of more people. OK. If people like President Trump are criticizing us, that must mean we did it right. And I did, that's obviously just like a kind of reactionary uh, belief to the fact that we're doing the right thing and that we're better than other countries, that we're more sensible. Obviously, your average Swede is not any better than anyone else. And, you know, they're not more sensible than anyone else. But there is a sense to which we believe that. Is there a new sense of Swedish exceptionalism? There was always a sense of Swedish exceptionalism. But this has definitely been sharpened by the coronavirus. Was this completely misplaced? Well, we'll see. But, um, you know, we've already seen numbers, you know, the numbers of the dead rise. People are dying. That's obviously terrible. But there's still this Swedish exceptionalistic idea that you know we will let the virus spread through the country while protecting the vulnerable and we will act uh, in the interests of others in order to stop it reaching people who could die. So what hangs in the balance now is obviously sort of the health of the nation but also slightly the the idea of its of itself. Absolutely the the Swedish idea of folkvet the wisdom of the people is on the line and if this fails if we see the number of infections and the number of dead in Sweden rise to stratospheric levels of course that will have been you know proven to be a myth but it's still really unclear what's going to happen and I mean you know culturally just speaking culturally we are are quite a socially distant people (laughs) very generally we're not living in you know big multi-generational houses you know when we see each other we don't you know kiss each other on both cheeks the the culture is just that we live a little more separately than maybe people in other countries i mean there is a chance that we're all going to do that in the future maybe you'll come out being more sociable than the rest of us oh god i mean i'm certainly going to be very sociable after this is over You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, the Sunday Times Middle East correspondent, Louise Callahan. You can read more of Louise's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers today were Ben Mitchell and Will Rowe, the executive producer is Leo Hornack, and the deputy executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella, music by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you liked what you heard, please do leave us a review. You can subscribe for free. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and more. And in these uncertain times, you can access expert analysis on the latest developments in the coronavirus crisis with The Times' dedicated daily newsletter. 
Sign up for free at thetimes.co.uk slash coronavirus. See you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.